So, welcome back to today's podcast, um, episode 5 of the Don't Think Limits podcast. And today's guest is Mike Fatboy Slim. You've probably seen him on my social media a lot and you've probably heard of him all over the world. He's a famous man for transforming people's bodies and just being a really cool dude. So, welcome Mike and good to have you on the podcast. Hello Oscar, hello to the young ladies and young gentlemen listen to this podcast. Sorry, don't mean young. There could be old people listening to this as well. Um, Oscar, what are we talking about today? And what do you want to pick my brains about? So basically, we're going to just start off with, you know, maybe some people don't know you and don't know, like, where you've came from and stuff. So we're just going to do, like, a little introduction of who you are, what you do, and a little backstory of just general stuff about yourself. Okay, so... Basically, um, I was a young boy who was born in London once upon a time. My family moved to Ireland when I was five. So they basically done that because um, back then um, London was getting a bit dodgy with gun crimes and knife crimes. So they moved to Ireland. They obviously brought me with them because I was only five years old. Um, Moved to Ireland, took on the Irish heritage in terms of learning Irish, going to primary school, uh, full-on Catholic, had the Holy Communion, confirmation, all the good stuff, went to secondary school. Then I started falling on rough times in terms of my parents weren't very strict with me growing up, I can put it that way. And um, I've never really blamed them because to this day, once we go deep into the story, I'll explain more about that. But what happened was I started hanging around with the older crowd and um, by second year, um, as you do, what, you're about 14, I think, 14, 15, around that age, um, I started to uh, partake in um, social drugs, um, drinking, you know, being the, the knacker in itself, you can say, just the right pisshead, didn't really have any ambition, hated school, uh, which then forward led to me dropping out of school um, after my junior set. Um, I dropped out of school after my junior cert, took a year out. So obviously I didn't do fifth year. And then what happened was I got this fit after two years of acting a maggot, you know, just drinking, doing drugs, didn't have any money to his name, uh, just basically living off my parents. I got a fit that I wanted to go back and do my leaving cert. And I had one rule that I wasn't going to be fifth year. There was no way I was going in with the year below me. I wanted to go in with the same year that I was accustomed to. Um, so what happened was I ended up getting my own place near the school. So imagine I had just turned 18 and I'd moved out home and I got my own place near the school with the understanding that I'm now a mature adult and I've given up my bad ways of the age of like 15 to 18, three years of just acting the maggot, as I said, just living for the weekend, drinking, partying, just being a waste of laying in bed, you know, going out Friday night, coming home Monday morning. So um, I got an apartment, all with the right, um, I don't know, ambitions, the right aim to say, this is it. I'm 18 now. I'm going to pull my finger out my ass. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to get a good leading set. I'm going to work. I don't want to be a waster because categorically in my own eyes, evidently later on, like I found out that basically I hate myself so much, it leaded towards my uh, weight gain over them years because that's why I'm known as Mike Fatboy Slim because I got extremely fat. I should have stated over them three years where I was eating shit, drinking, doing drugs. And then I thought I want to change my life around. So I got this, uh, <clears throat> my own apartment with the um, no 
knowledge that I was going to really be uh, straight as a die now, go to school, get good grades, leaving to kill it. What happened? Um, I actually done that for about two or three weeks. And I um, tried to get back into sports because I used to be very active before I went down them, them dark paths. And uh, I broke my uh, ankle, which a lot of people know about. I broke my ankle three weeks into getting my own apartment. And then obviously I couldn't go to school for like, well, I could have done, but I was just like, oh, I can't be fucked, man. I can't be fucked hobbling around crutches. Um, so uh, basically what happened, the boys I used to hang around with years ago, I was still kind of friends with, but I tried not to associate with them because I associated them with drugs and alcohol. And obviously I had my own place. It was like a free-for-all. So then actually what happened was my apartment turned into a drugstore. Something I'm not proud of, but I don't mind talking openly about now. And it was the place to get high or do drugs or just get absolutely fucking shit-faced. And it used to become like a, a crack den. Just people used to just chill out, just get there, get wasted. Because imagine there was no parental supervision. I was 18 years old. And it was it was known as the hotspot in the, in the town, basically, to just get fucked up. And there was always drugs at my place. There was always alcohol. It was a constant, a constant party. That continued... Um, what happened then in the long run, my parents were still under the illusion that I was going to school, but I'd obviously only went for three weeks, and that was like the first three weeks in September when the school year started. Then a letter never really came home until March, March the following year. So I'd managed to scave um, or get away from all, um, I don't know, just all uh, messages or any notices to say that Michael wasn't in school. The message never got back to my parents, so I was fucking... I was happy. I think that was because I'd had so many years out. They probably just thought, um, sorry, I only had one year out. They probably just thought that basically you just given up again or it just, they didn't really follow suit or didn't check up on me. So what happened? Uh, a letter finally went home in March to my actual home address, not my apartment. And my mum hit the fucking roof. She was like, what the fuck is this letter about saying you ain't been in school since September? And I was like, shit, shit's hit the fan. So I came clean. Obviously, I had a bit of a, a bit of a depressive breakdown. I was like, Mom, I'm so sorry. I just couldn't do it. I broke my ankle. And obviously, uh, at that stage, um, I was very, very addicted to weed. and would be getting high all the time with the lads. Again, fell into that back, back into that uh, destructive path of being an absolute waster. So then she was like, right, fuck it. You've got to get a job. You've got to get your shit together. So I um, started working on building sites. Um, did my nap making... 100 draw a day, which for an 18-year-old lad um, was pretty fucking good money, do you know what I'm saying? 100 a day, uh, 500 a week was pretty good, but it still wasn't that much. Um, I was back living at home at this stage, didn't really have to worry about any bills. Then um, I heard about a job on a fishing boat, so I went and took that because it was more money. It was 150 euro a day, but this was like hard graft. This was like you got up at uh, half three in the morning, you had to drive an hour to the fucking uh, boat and then you'd be going out to sea um, around half four or five o'clock, um, something to do with the tides or something like that. And then you come on, come back home at six o'clock at, uh, six o'clock at night. So you'd be, I'd never done a day's work like that and it fucking ripped me off. That was the first time in my life I learned how to smoke a fag with not using your hands because um, on a boat is freezing, guys. You're wearing overalls. And I was out in the, the Atlantic Ocean um, doing some uh, fishing. <laughs> So basically, I done that for another month, month and a half, and then I realised this is this is crap. This is absolutely all shit. I'm working these crazy hours, and I'm I'm still kind of going out the weekend Saturday because I needed that relaxation downtime, and I'd blow fucking 
300 quid, you know, again, drugs, drink. And I was like, you're not getting anywhere in life. And I really thought that was uh, the, the, the pinnacle of life is that you work Monday to Friday, you work hard labor, you make, you save your wages, but I couldn't see any end to this. I was like, I feel like shit. I like, I'm dead to the world. I'm out of shape. I'm smoking 20 fags a day and I'm getting fucked up the weekend. This isn't life. And then I just kind of broke down to my parents one day and was like, I can't take this anymore. I've been out of school now for two years working on construction sites, uh, um, fishing boats, fishing trawlers. And I was like, I want to go back to college. So I went back to Cork City because I couldn't, like, you can't go back to secondary school at the age of 20 and say, I'm doing my leaving cert. Um, teachers be looking at you saying, what the hell are you doing here? So I went to an adult leaving cert course. And now at 20 years old, I think maturity had kind of bit me in the arse where I'd realised I'd been out in the working world. Um, I wasn't going nowhere. Um, I realised you need a good education to actually get somewhere. So I'd done the adult leaving cert. Now, this was the first time in my life because where I lived, there wasn't actually any gyms near me. And when I moved to Cork City, I enrolled in the gym because I was like, right, this is it. This is my chance at life now. I'm going to lose the weight. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to get good grades. Everything in my life that I know is going to push me towards being a better human and be more successful in life is what I thought was the key to success. I have to do it, right? This is it. So I was 17 stone when I moved to Cork. And within six months, I had lost seven stone, just over seven stone. So I was under 10 stone. That was through just basically, I didn't really know much about nutrition then. I was 20 years old. It was through starvation, just eating like two, three meals a day. I remember used to wake up every morning, have two boiled eggs, a slice of bread and butter. That isn't really the pinnacle of nutrition. It was just me thinking that was healthy. I used to have a grain bar on the way home from college. And then I would have a big dinner of pasta, beans and chicken. And I shit you not, that was what I'd done for that whole semester. That Sorry, not semester, that whole academic year. And I lost uh, over seven stone, but I'd done that within six months anyway. That was when all the weight come off. And then when I realized I know absolutely shaggle about nutritional training because I looked in the mirror, I'd lost all the weight, but I looked malnourished. I looked like a bag of bones. Come to think about, I was probably only getting in 40, 50 grams of protein a day, which is a breeding ground for muscle loss. And I still had a bit of a pooch, a bit of a belly pooch. Um, at this stage, as you know, my life my life was focused towards college. I still only went to the gym when I lost that seven stone about four days a week. And I pushed towards my leaving cert, um, got good grades in the leaving cert. Then I went on to do uh, study law. So I've got good grades in my leaving cert. I've lost all my weight now. I'm just a skinny little runt. Um, I haven't got that much muscle because obviously I didn't diet down properly. So during that time, obviously, I fell in love with the gym. People have said, Mike, whoa, you look amazing, man. Not really amazing, just you're not a fat bastard anymore. Excuse my <laughs> French. But um, then I went back to college, went to do law, and then I went to study law. I'd done it for uh, a year, and then all of a sudden, um, I used to always go to the I used to always used to put the gym before college. I went to leave so I could balance that. With law, I couldn't, and it kind of I kept seeing myself push it off to the last minute. I could always bang out an assignment, you know. If you gave me eighteen hours in front of the computer, I'd leave it the night before. I'd put on a couple of pots of coffee and I'd grind it out, and I always make the deadline. Then what happened? That I realised I kept trying to follow suit with that formula, and it just didn't happen, and it I crumbled. I crumbled under pressure. That then I saw myself orientate more towards more towards gym and just focusing on health and fitness and learning more about nutrition than flunking out of college and being a failure. So now I'm right back to square one. I failed college. I've gone back to my mum and dad. They're obviously disappointed. They're like, I thought you were getting your shit together. I thought you were going somewhere in life. You're what, 21, 22 now. You've got no degree. You're going nowhere. 
you can't go to college, you can't get a grant because you flopped it all. So look what you're doing with yourself. And I was like, mom, dad, I promise you, I found this ambition. I found this love for trained nutrition. I want to get better at this and excel at it. Now to them at this stage, why I'm basically so successful now in the industry, I got on the fitness hype a lot before it took over in Ireland. I got on the fitness hype in 2014. 2014 fitness wasn't big 2016 it started growing more interest 2017 it started getting bigger 2018 was when it was at the peak in terms of island or arguably it could be at the peak now so i kind of had about a two to three year head start on anyone else in Ireland. gyms were not a big thing no one went to the gym the gym wasn't cool so to me i had a head start of everyone else i had a head start on learning and what i did was just started reading stuff on the internet trying to expand my knowledge trial and error and things and then I had an idea in my head I was like right there's such thing as photo shoots which they weren't really big in Ireland and I said to my mum and dad because I never had no job at the time I was like mum and dad look let me get in the shape of my life let me please just give this my all this transformation and I promise you I'll become famous out of it and they were like famous you're talking shit what you're on about what you're going to eat a bit of chicken and broccoli and run on the treadmill and get in shape and lift weights every day and you'll be this fitness fanatic. I was like, yeah, yeah, just let it go. So while well, I love my parents, even though they thought I was an idiot, they let me chase my dream. Now, I just had this idea for some reason that I was going to get in the shape of my life. I was going to get these professional photographers. I'll go to top names in the industry in the UK, which I've done my research on just through the internet. I flew to the UK, had these photo shoots, and then hold and behold it, I got the photos back a couple of weeks later. I shared one story on Facebook about uh, me being overweight, morbidly obese, hating myself, abusing drugs, abusing alcohol. Um, and it went viral. Well, viral in the state that 192,000 people uh, it reached and it saw. And basically it got over, I think, 1,600 shares. And then next thing I got a, a PM, a personal message or a DM on Facebook. This is when Facebook was huge. Instagram wasn't really big back 2014, 2015. And on the message, it said, hey, Mike, I work for the Sunday World. Sorry, not the Sunday World, for the Sun. Is it all right if we do an article on you? And I was like, this is a wind-up. This is an absolute piss take. This isn't really real. This is not happening to me. Why would the Sun want to do an article on me? They said, we saw your story on Facebook. It had been shared so many, so many times, and it got so much of a reach, which I don't think 192,000 now isn't really, isn't really a lot in terms of what some posts reach. So um, I was like, yeah, go for it. So they done a story on me. Well, then next thing, that was it. Boom, overnight, I was internet sen- an internet sensation. For two weeks, I was on the tip of everyone's tongues. People were ringing me, messaging me. My inbox blew up. I had over fucking 922 Facebook friend requests in the space of one hour. My story got shared on the Lad Bible. It went up 10,000 followers on Instagram in the space of two, three hours. Tiger from um, the rapper, who's famous in America, he shared my story. Uh, he reached out to me and said, congratulations, your transformation, bro. I wrote back, chance to my arm. I was like, hey, bro, really, really big fan. Didn't really know he wasn't. I knew he was banging one of the Kardashians. And I was like, oh, any chance you want to fly me out to LA, you know, and meet up? But he didn't write back. So that was my claim to fame there with him. Um, <laughs> other than that, the story went viral. The next thing, people were like, holy crap, this guy, I want him to be my coach. So people say to me, Mike, look, can I be like you? Can I drop out of school and become an online coach? But I really had an extra foot in the door. I kind of cheated the game. My story got a bit of news press, and then I was on uh, TV shows. Um, I was on radio stations. This all happened in the space of two weeks, which I'll tell you about the downfall of that was basically I didn't capitalize on that in terms of the, the, the like, I thought I was going to be hot shit for 
the rest of my life. I thought, baby, I've made it. But I've realized during them two weeks when you're all over the social media, all over the newspapers, people are messaging me on Instagram with pictures of me making the front page of the news in Panama. I've never been to Panama in my life. The only time I heard of Panama was in Prison Break, the, the series where they went to Panama to embezzle money. And they were sending me pictures. And there I was on the front page in a different language. And I'd made the news from all over the world about this guy who's beaten obesity, become an international model, all this. And what I realized with papers, it was the first time in my life they say, papers chat shit. Papers chat categorically absolute bullshit. Every newspaper article that came out of me had a little twist to it. Mike was bullied. Um, Mike nearly died from a drug overdose. Um, it, the weight loss went up from like 70, 80 pounds to 200 pounds. And I never really copped it. 200 pounds. If someone lost 200 pounds, you'd be dead. Like, you know? So it was just like front line, front front page headline was absolute BS. Then I had friends, then the backfired friends to me who actually in school were close to me. They're like, Mike, what's all this BS you're saying that you were bullied and that you tried to commit suicide? I was like, I categorically, I promise you, I swear on my mum's life, I did not write that. That is a news reporter's making up shit about yeah. me trying to sell papers and headlines. But all this press, and actually, uh, I started to monetize and become an online coach. And then all of a sudden, um, I remember like a kid who never had never had double digits in his bank account. Within uh, within two weeks, he had double digits because uh, it was just crazy. You can't you you can't pay for that uh, what publicity. It just it was crazy. It just blew up overnight. I was in that sensation. But the reason I didn't capitalize on it, I didn't have a YouTube channel. That's my biggest regret to date to this life. I kept thinking I don't need it. I'm hot shit. I'm the man. I've made it all around the world. I'm I'm gonna be set for life. I wasn't. Two weeks. I should have capitalized on that. I should have drawn. I should have driven them ten thousand extra followers on Instagram to my YouTube channel. I should have really marketed better, grown an audience. Don't get me wrong. I got loads of publicity. I got loads of uh, sponsorship deals with uh, supplement companies and clothing companies. They all bit me up. They me they're like, Mike, I want you to come this. I want you to promote this. I was like, yeah, 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 brilliant. But I got lazy. I stopped posting. For some reason in my head, I thought, oh, you've made it. Once, once you make it on the news and radio stations and papers and front uh, page of all uh, international papers and local newspapers, I thought you don't have to work. You just, everyone knows who you are. That's it. But no, you have to keep growing your brand. You have to keep, keep, keep growing your name. For me, I thought, that's it. Job done. People are going to keep looking for me. But no, once, once the newspaper articles get old, no one gives a fuck who you are. No one remembers who you are. And that's what maybe learn in life as an individual. Every mistake you make or you're worried about, oh, what is that person going to think about me? And, you know, opinions don't pay bills. People forget about shit. Within two weeks, no one gives a fuck about you. No one cares about your mistakes. No one really cares. So just do whatever makes you happy in life and chase, chase your own goals and ambitions. So what I done then was that I stuck with it, kept getting results, grew my portfolio, kept getting more and more client transformations. Then one night I was laying in bed and I thought, why don't I try something different? Why don't I try and bring cardboard cutouts to this industry? Because basically Instagram had these laws where you can't actually post nudity in terms of a paid ad, in terms of showing a man or woman in their underwear uh, as a transformation. And I thought I could beat the system by getting a cardboard cutout printed off of a client and portraying their before and after photo. Well, I'd done that and it took off like wildfire. Um, basically... I kind of cracked the niche in the, in the market. I managed to get my message and coaching uh, all around Ireland and parts of the UK through paid ads. And people saw the before and after of me knocking down a cardboard cutout and trying to client's transformation. I went on to do 10, 11 or 12 of them. Again, that was all off of my own pocket. I actually had lost money on that person's coaching because not only did I have to spend, spend the day with them at the shoot and actually pay for the cardboard cutout, I, I, was like, I was barely, I think I was like, 
with, with that and the videographer that I employed on the day to actually record it, I was actually in, in a negative position. I'd actually lost about 200, 300 euro for that person's coaching to get to that actual final state. But I just knew in my own head, scared money doesn't make money. So I had to invest in my own business. And this was me thinking, right, this could be a dodgy move, but I'm going to spend money that I make in my business and just use it towards marketing my name out there in the industry. Touchwood, it paid off. People in the right places saw my cardboard cutouts. It was just a new thing that had never been done on Instagram or on the internet where people were like, everyone posted before and after photo, but no one never done that cardboard cutout before. I had people reach out to me, other high, well-renowned coaches in the industry, like, Mike, congratulations. I'm like, the second I saw you post that day, I was like, you clever fucker. You cracked it. You cracked it. You you realized a way to beat Instagram. Then what happened, um, a guy in New York had seen my transformations and he reached out to me and he was like, hey, Mike, I'm going through a transformation. I want to get in shape. Can you get me in shape? And I was like, yeah, of course I can, man. He was like, right, I'm a very unique individual. I happen to be extremely wealthy. I don't want any of this online stuff. I want you to fly out here and live with me and get me in shape. I said, man, I can't do that. I've got a life. I've got a family. I've got like a lot of stuff going back on here. I've got a mortgage. And he was like, name your price. So um, that was it. We came to an agreement. Um, and then my whole life changed just like that, basically, at the drop of a hat. Uh, through social media, someone had found me. And then it opened up new doors, um, just new new avenues to go down in life. Um, and then at the end of the day, he ended up being one of my business mentors. And he taught me how to even grow my business to a, a larger market, a larger mainstream. Obviously, America's got 250, 260 million people in it, 270 compared to Ireland has only got what six or seven so not only had I expanded my business to greater heights a greater reach he even taught me how to market and actually increase the value of your services to high ticket so basically so that brings you working, to nearly where yeah, you are today <laughs> you know I suppose you've been going on there for the last Correct, 20 yeah. minutes but I think until people really get to know the full insights and uh, like the mm. whole story they don't really, I suppose, you know, when people just give you a five minute story of where they were and where they are, I suppose you don't connect with people that well until they really know where you really, really came from. But Exactly, a, Oscar. Yeah. A, a few things I picked up from that um, was like when you were working those jobs and those shitty jobs that you didn't like yeah. and on those boats and stuff. Did you even have a vision of where you even are today and where you even want to go? No, it wasn't there. So that was a very good question. I didn't know, didn't see it. Because when I first started them jobs, I thought that was life. My head had never been outside the horizon of what was what you're born into, what you're surrounded by. What me and you talk about other times is the five people you're surrounded by, the people you're going to actually relate to and grow to their level. If I'm surrounded by people all the same as me, you, you drop out of school, you start working on a building site. That was life to me. I never knew lo lo life had bigger horizons and life had bigger destinations because, yeah, you watch the TV, but you're like, oh, they're movie stars. Oh, they're celebrities. They're rappers. I kept thinking they're on a different spectrum to me, that, oh, they're blessed. Um, they're lucky. Not did I know that you create your own luck in this life, that you can actually, you've got the best opportunity as everyone else in this world. I thought, I'm going to be a grafter. I'm going to be a laborer my whole life. I might be a carpenter and I'm going to live for the weekends, have a couple of beers, might find a woman, settle down, have kids. That's my job. That's my life. That is what I set out to be because I didn't get my exams. I didn't know who I was going to be. 
I thought that was normality that you just end up leaving school, you're a worker. And because I'm in a small town with that small mentality, that small mind, everyone who was around me, women were mainly housewives or they worked in a bank or a cafe. And men uh, predominantly were what? Builders, plumbers, carpenters, electricians or roofers. Yeah. And I just knew, well, that was normal. That's what I thought life was. Yeah. All these people that are, I don't know, celebrities or people that have these dream jobs, I didn't think that was possible for me to get to. And the dream job for me then, sorry, you said about, uh, like me and my parents always joked about when I was younger, was like, oh, Slizzer, because we always thought Slizzer's rich. That was all I knew at that age, between 16 and 20. The only job that I knew was possible through education that was a really well-paid job was being a Slizzer or a lawyer, that I thought, like, that is the dream, dream job. Like, uh, in terms of being a rapper or a singer or obviously a premiership footballer, that is the pinnacle of any kid's dream. But it's not realistic. But what realistic in my head, I thought, oh, if I put in the work, which made me go back to college to get a good leaving cert, to get good grades, to study law, I thought that's my gateway. That's my gateway to being a top, top successful human and making loads of money. But I flopped at law yeah, um, because I gave too much time to, I couldn't juggle fitness and law. I, I think a lot of people still live, um, you know, still live by that whole way of you have to get a job or, you know, you have to be an electrician or, you know, when people ask you what you want to be in life, you yeah. can't say, I want to do online coaching because it's like, that's no, just no. unrealistic. Do you get me? I don't even think online coaching, that would have been about 2010, 2009 when I uh, was working on them building sites. I don't think there was, uh, I don't think online coaching was even a thing then. I don't think it existed. Yeah, it's crazy how everything moved on as well. But like you, you never uh, like liked school and all that kind of stuff as well. So from no, you, that's from, true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From you, like I suppose not liking school and not liking books and stuff. And how did you get, like? How did it make sense for you to read articles or whatever it is on gym stuff then? Good question, Oscar. And this is where which I've learned over life is that you could put something interesting in front of me and I'll sit there and read it. Yeah, if I had zero interest in history, geography, maths or English and it was boring, I wouldn't, I couldn't even read two sentences. But it's like, what I learned, and this is just, as I said, towards men and other people like this, if you have an underlying desire or interest in a certain aspect, you don't even find it work. It doesn't even seem hard work. It's like you enjoy it. Yet, when I was in English and you have to read these books for these exams and crap and even certain junior cert and you have to read it, I won't lie to you. I never read one book, so like I just didn't didn't find it interesting. It just it just never. I couldn't force myself to do it. There was no such thing as audio books back then. It just wasn't a thing for me, and I couldn't bring myself to reading a book. Yet, if if I wanted to learn about nutrient timing or the effects of a ketosis state on dieting, and I'd find a forum or something like that, I'd be more intrigued to actually sit there for hours and read it in detail. And it wouldn't, I wouldn't even bat an eyelid. Yeah, if you said, Mike, look, you're going to get an A1 if you read this whole book, I'd be like, ugh, it'd be like this mental battle, like, just, just like, I'd have this mental breakdown, I'd be struggling at the words, I'd be like, no, I can't do it, I can't do it. It was like this self-hate, it was like, oh, I can't do it, it was like, do I have to do it? And it was like, Ken, there's any way I can cheat this, there's any way I can get out of it, there's any way I can do this. And it was just torture to the point where it mentally broke me down. I was like, look, I'm a failure, I can't do it, I'm going to quit school, I just can't stand this, I hate school, get me out of there. I don't like the that you have to be somewhere at a certain time at a, at a certain place and that there's a person at the top of the room who has this authority over you and tells you what you can and can't do. That just mentally broke me. It was something like I had this disorder. I don't know what it was. I just couldn't take direction from someone who felt they had authority over you. I didn't do well in terms of people having authority over you. So I always knew, right, I've got to somehow try and become my own boss. 
Yeah. And I suppose that that's kind of like me as well. You know, when I like, you know, dropped out of school and I, yeah. I always hated school. It's like I hated school education but then also yeah. like me being into like personal development that was a whole new different world but i didn't know that there's two types of education so there's school education and then there's like life education which is like personal development and you know reading all these books about life so for you you didn't like school education but you loved learning about fitness and that's what you were interested yeah. in and i think yeah. like you know so many people think they fail in life as well because they're not interested in school and in in those books and stuff so i think there's always ways around it as well but um you know when you said you you know like through your story you've came back to your house about like two or three times how did you feel yeah. did you feel like an absolute bum and a failure going back into your parents house every single time you failed like see this is a personal thing that i've never told anyone and this is because like i've sat there and i've had like long nights you're looking up the ceiling and you're thinking why have I landed on my feet so much better than anyone else? That people people would kill to have, like, be in my position in terms of where my business has grown to and how financially stable and well off I am. And I was thinking, what is the difference? I'm not fucking special. I've failed so many times, but why have I come good this time? What is the difference from me to everyone else? And if I had to hit the nail on the head, I owe it all to my parents. Yes, I was blaming them at the start because they weren't strict with me at that young age of 13 or 14. I could go out whenever I want, do what I want, never had no control over me. And it wasn't like they weren't like, oh, don't be careful. Of course, they were like, be careful. But they let me make my own decisions in life. And now to this date, when I talked to them, they were like, look, we've done that because we knew you were clever enough and we knew we brought up a boy um, smart enough to make his own decisions and put, him, put himself in the right direction in life to be successful. And I was like, how the fuck could you know that when I was at the point of failure, when I was like 17, 18 years old, abusing drugs, dropping out of school, an absolute waster, didn't have no money. How did you know I was going to come good? They were like, we always knew because of the way we brought you up, that you'd always make the right decisions in life. And I was like, I never accepted it. I was like, you couldn't gamble on something like that because even I didn't know myself. I didn't love myself. I hated myself. I knew I was a waster. I was always fighting, getting in trouble with the guards, everything. It just, it, I was going nowhere. Like I was an absolute, I was a, I don't know, I don't know how I call myself, but I hate myself that much. I think that was really the downfall of why I abused food, abused drugs, abused alcohol. But as I said before, I spiraled off there. Why was I different than everyone else? And you hit the nail on the head there. Every time I failed, I ended up going home with my tail in between my legs. But what happened? I was like, Mom, Dad, look, this is it. I've got the next idea. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. No matter how much they knew it could be absolute BS because they've tried three other four different things and they've helped me put me in a position financially to say, look, Mike, I'm going to do this. Mom, Dad, promise you, please believe me. This is the thing now. This is the thing that's going to make it for me. They always supported me and they always said, look, all right, go for it. Let's see what happens. Even though in their mind, there might be 0% of a, a thought that I'm actually going to be successful with it because my track record is failing, 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 failing. Be it at school, jobs, um, trying to maintain uh, any level of um, tuition in terms of me studying or anything like that. Um, I, I just, I was a failure. Everything I touched, I, I might stick it here for a couple of months and then all of a sudden I'd fail. But whatever idea I, I decided to go down that route, they always supported me when I come to this new mad idea that, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to be great at this and I'm going to give this a go. And every time I come home and fail with, with, with my tails in between my legs, I'd obviously be sad, upset for a couple of weeks, months maybe. And then I'd come up with this new idea. 
And as I said, touch wood, why I love them. And I think they're the people that made me successful and who I am today. They always said, look, Mike, we'll support you, whatever you decide to do. And they're the ones that backed me financially to give this another this other idea, this other avenue will go, which it happened to go lucky for me when I decided to put all my eggs into one basket and go for fitness. Now, what I mean by financially supporting me, I mean, I'm 20 years old at this stage before I've got in the fitness industry. I'm living at home. I've got no money. I've got no job. I've got no food. Like they're supporting my food. They're paying my bills. They're keeping my upkeep. They're supporting my lifestyle. They're giving me money to go see my friends. At 20 years old, that is a fucking embarrassment. That is an absolute disgrace that I've got nothing to my name not one penny, as I said, I'm living at home, they're paying my sky bill, they're paying my electricity, my food, you name it, they're paying everything. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I said, just support me in fitness, and then all of a sudden that took off, and boom, mummy, we made it. <laughs> Love it, man. And that was it. But, you know, yeah. you said something there, Um, you know, you said something about, you know, you, you failed, and then you, you've you've got to your highest point and I remember you telling me this when I met you in town one day um and I was at my lowest point and I, I had been at my highest point and you said whatever goes up has to come down you can't keep yes. going up in life and that's so true man and that's the biggest thing I ever took away from you as well um was was those words because you you couldn't have keep failing and you couldn't have keep going down that that kind of dark yeah. route or whatever it is and you can't like it's yeah. it's impossible for you to keep failing life impossible like yeah. literally in, impossible no, nothing is impossible but literally this is like you cannot keep failing in life all the time something's gonna come good something's I, gonna come good like. I, exactly you know and that's that's one biggest thing as well i take away is no matter how many times you fail just keep believing because as 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 you said as well whatever goes up has to come down um so I suppose that kind of um brings me to another um question as well, which will be probably close enough to you as well, is what is your why in life? Or how has your why maybe even changed now? The why even changed? Well, as you said about the high and the lows, all my life I'd only ever experienced lows. And that was where I messed up when I first experienced the high was when um was when uh, um, I got all that social media presence, papers started um, doing articles on me, TV shows, radio stations, celebrities. That was my all-time high. And I told you I never capitalised on that. And then all of a sudden I hit an all-time low because for two weeks I was on top of the world, the tip of everyone's tongues. And then I realised, wow, everyone's forgotten about me now. <laughs> I'm a nobody. So that was when I really experienced my first ever big low in life. Because I thought, once you go up, you're up forever. But as Oscar just said, that was when I learned at the age of 21, 22, what goes up must come down. And that was my first ever real high in life. Before that, it was just all lows, failure, failure, failure. So what my why changed from, my why changed from, right, now I've realized that it is possible, it is possible to be somewhat different, to be in this small mindset that I was my whole life growing up of, as I said, being a carpenter, electrician, the pinnacle was being a solicitor. You get a house, you have a family. That was my why, I thought that's just normality. Then I realized of expanding my horizons that because my business expanded so much and meeting other people from different parts of the world and seeing the life that they're accustomed to, that things I'd only seen on TV in terms of flash cars, getting in helicopters, from riding in private jets to going on vacations to the Maldives, a bloody 4,000 uh, euro a night just to stay in these certain villas. All these things were beyond my horizon. I wouldn't even dream that big. And then I realized 
But these are actually all plausible. These are actually easily achievable. That everyone uh, comes from the same vagina. So everyone comes from a vagina or, or maybe a C-section. <laughs> We're all human in terms of that. We've all got 24 hours, 24 hours in a day. Um, I stopped believing in luck. I stopped believing anyone was special. That I believed it was what you put into life is what you get back. So my why really was, right, I want to try and make as much money as possible. I want to kind of create a legacy and just make sure I can look after my parents because I still owe them everything. I want to have enough money to basically make sure my kids don't have to work. And I just want to work now until, uh, well, basically, I want to work as hard as I can for as long as I can before I can actually retire and actually stop putting in the long hours because still to this day I put in a serious amount of work in terms of my businesses and I do get uh, not, not a lot of sleep. Um, I'm grinding 24-7. Oscar has told me I've got to read a book called The 4-Hour Work Week. It might help me. <laughs> but I want to get to a point where I can retire at the age of like 45, 50, and then sit back on a nest egg that I've built up for myself um, during investments and all that and still live the luxury life that I'm accustomed to. Exactly. So in terms of saying what has my why really changed, it changed from not really having a why to now I'm having a why and I've got an ambition and I've got a drive and actually believing that any goal in life is possible if you have a plan yeah. how to get there. 100%. And two more questions then before we wrap this up as well. How did you scale your business as well? Do you think it was when you met Anthony? Obviously, that had a big impact on your business as well. But what other way did you scale your business apart from obviously getting in contact with Anthony and him helping you as well? Um, You hit the nail on the head there. So really, it generally was Anthony in terms of I never need to scale it because I was always able to handle it um, myself. But when I met Anthony, in terms of the doors that he opened for me, um, it was a whole new spectrum. It was a whole new spectrum in terms of uh, just the amount of clients that I couldn't handle. So I had to get coaches to start working for me because just people in that gym alone that he trained at, I think there was over 27 clients just from that one gym. And it got to the point I was more of a celebrity in New York than I was in my own country. And I was like, this is crazy. Like More people know me in New York, in America, than they do in the UK or Ireland now, all through Anthony. And I'm the one that transformed his life. Yeah. And um, then, as I said, it just I never had to look for clients. I never had to market because I had such an influx of people trying to sign up or friends of friends. And just what a big place New York is. As you know, it's one of the biggest cities in the world. And because Anthony was so a world-renowned figure, again... If you know people in the right places, you're kind of set for life. It's just about knowing the right people. And what I've kind of learned in life, it's not really about uh, what you do somewhat. Don't get me wrong, you have to work hard, but it's more about who you know and then just doing your job correctly. And if you do your job correctly to a high standard and meet the right people in the right places, it's all about having connections and uh, people open doors to other opportunities in life. And the open opportunities open doors in terms of opportunities for me. And I just fucking took it uh with two hands and never look back and run with it and to then since 2018 when i met him um i just pinched myself every couple of months and realized <laughs> what we've achieved and how many people now we're helping all around the world and other businesses that have come from it and obviously our document a documentary um is coming out on netflix amazon prime google play uh, these other streaming uh apps um in on the 4th of june or the 11th of june it's one of them weeks, the 4th of June, 11th of June, it's going to be on some of them apps where you'll be able to watch it, yeah. um, I think, all over the world. And then again, that's going to open a whole uh, different horizon to me and a whole different spectrum in terms of people that are going to be, want to be reaching out to me. So I'm going to have to take on more coaches, expand it even more. Um, 
and just uh, go with the flow. But as I said, yeah, just really happy how everything has progressed. I couldn't have predicted it. Mm. Have you ever, like, you know, have you ever seen a person like Anthony coming into your life? Like, have you ever seen a vision of this person coming in and changing your life or or what? Like, or do you think? No, no. So, so it's it's a very good question, Oscar. Um, It must be the butterfly effect because I was a competitor and this wasn't when I was, this was back 2017 and I was like, I want to get back on stage. I want to compete, but I want to do something that no one in Ireland thinking was doing. I want to go somewhere big. And I eyed up in a York show, and for some reason, I was like, New York, I just want to compete in New York. And I was like, Mike, you're crazy. Like, it's going to cost you an extra five or six grand accommodation, flights, like, fly with my videographer. And back in 2017, 2016, 2017, when I made that decision, I wasn't a baller. I wasn't making big, big bucks. I could live a sustainable life. I was better than average Joe, but um, I was nowhere means a baller. I was nowhere near means like that. I still acted, you know, work from paycheck to paycheck and get a certain amount of signups. I didn't have financial stability. So for me making this move, it was a very risky move because why am I spunking five or six grand on a competition in comparison to competing on Ireland or the UK? And I'm already saving about four or five grand, say if it costs six grand, because I remember the accommodation in New York alone, because I'd come out a week early due to uh, peak week in terms of flying high altitude and water retention. The accommodation for the apartment, because I had to have all cooking facilities, had to be in the heart of Manhattan where the venue was. It was uh, it was like three and a half grand. Now, it was a high spec place, but I wanted the high spec place. I want to be comfortable. I didn't want stress. And then the flights for me and my videographer and the family were another, I think they were like two and a half grand there and back. So there was a lot of money invested in it. Um, that is about all my food and you know training and all that and um, all that. But I'm I'm just talking about just 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 the cost because of the location that I I chose, which was it could have been most people said was stupid idiotic. Well, it just so happened that due to the Instagram algorithm of me posting my transformations and my body composition photos while I was out in New York, that was how Anthony Lolly picked up upon me because there's no way Anthony Lolly would have found me if it wasn't for me choosing to actually compete in New York. So by me opening my horizons and thinking, do you know what? I'm going to do something different no one else has done. The butterfly effect worked. He ended up coming across my Instagram. He didn't actually reach out to me when I was in New York. It was just because I tagged photos all that week. So I had my videographer with me, my content creator, taking pictures of me and posting photos and videos on my Instagram. And obviously putting the location where we were in New York. A week later after being home after the competition... Um, which I only placed third in, by the way. Um, I didn't win it. I only got third place, but it was an international stage. It was very, very good to get third. He uh, he reached out to me. I got a message from someone I've never heard before, never heard of the name. He was like, blah, blah, blah. So then we hopped on a call. And then I started doing research. And I'm like, this guy, he's been on MTV. He's been on news channels. He's got a Rolls Royce. I know a Rolls Royce is anywhere between 250, 300,000 uh, euro. And I'm like, this guy is the real deal. Who is this guy like? And that was when the first time uh, someone of his hierarchy, a celebrity, reached out to me. But it goes to show taking that risk in life, doing something different than no one else in Ireland or the UK has done, taking that massive leap, that leap of faith into the unknown, which I wasn't setting out. Like, I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to do this, go compete out here, and someone, some big shot's going to find me and know who I am and know what I'm good at. No, I was like, I just want to do something different. I just fucking hate society and everything's regimented. I want to do something different than no one else has done. So by me taking that chance, taking that risk of doing something that the majority of people in Ireland and the UK don't do, go away to America to compete and take this this massive, massive expense upon their shoulders, I've done it. And it, it, somehow I got rewarded yeah. um, without even planning to be yeah. rewarded. And you know what I really like about that, Mike, as well, is you've 
through this interview, you've talked about, I think you've mentioned three times where you've kind of done something different. And each one of those times that you've done something different, you've actually came out. Paid off. Do you get me? Like, yeah. you know, you, you've started in the gym. Exactly. Awesome. Do you know, it's, yeah. it's crazy. You've done the cardboard cutout. That went everywhere. You've done the show, spent a bit more money yeah. and you blew up. Yeah. But, you know, it blew up. I, I think the biggest reason for that is, um, Mike, and, you know, I respect your love for, for the grind and the hours you put in. But, I, yeah. you know, you talk about luck and you talk about this. I, I don't believe in that as well, man. Yeah. I really do think it's it's because of your true grind and your hustle that's why yeah. you got to the person like anthony and then it opened up a whole whole new venue for you like you yeah, you yeah, yeah, you've yeah. been on the graph for like what eight or nine years now with all this correct yeah you know? about nine years so yeah. you know and even though your business kept growing and stuff like that yeah. It never, it never would have happened until the New York thing. No, yeah. no it never. I wouldn't be sitting here. Yeah, but, yeah. That, that, that was when it all changed. But yeah. I, I really do believe in the whole law of attraction side of that. With that happening, you know, that that's what I really do believe in. But just to end this, um, I suppose, just to kind of end this. But what do we? But what? But what do we agree on? We agree on you've got to do things that other people haven't thought of to get a different result in life. So by me taking these risks, cardboard cut out, as you said, thinking, fuck it, I'll be someone different. I'll compete in New York. I'll do something. It, just these ideas that some people might say you're crazy. I just thought, oh, what's the worst can happen? You know, you miss every shot you don't take. And that was all I thought. So I suppose if we had to give advice to anyone listening to this now to be successful, you, to achieve something different, you've got to do something that no one else has done before. Because we know, what is it, Einstein says, the, the termination of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, yeah. expecting the same results. And because we're so sheepish due to our mentality of Ireland the UK, we don't like to break um, schedule. We don't like to break society's idea of what we should do or what we shouldn't do because we care so much about pe people's opinions. But that was one thing about me that I learned growing up because I'd been rock bottom and been a waster and been a nobody and everyone thought I was a complete drug addict and a complete alcohol abuser and a complete dickhead. I didn't care. So I was like, I've already hit rock bottom. You can't go any lower. So I don't care about people's opinions. So I'm going to do something that no one's ever done before. I'm going to start bringing these cardboard cutouts. What's the worst can happen? I'm going to compete in New York. <laughs> I'm going to be known as an idiot because I've spent an extra five or six grand. Huh. But it all paid off. Yeah, 100%. So the take on point is you've got to do something that society doesn't really portray for you to do. Just take risks. But then again, as you know, Oscar, an entrepreneur is a risk taker. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that actually reminds me of something we were t talking about a few days ago. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, what, what, was, what has been your biggest lesson in life so far um regards to business or life in general um the more money you take the more hiccups you're going to have in life the more money you make so the more it's just a, a term the way i look at it now statistics what i've learned is the more money you have in your bank the more people that are going to take swipes at you the more people that are going to come for you and um, the more um the more bad people you're just going to see the more bad deals that are going to come upon you because to get to that level you're going to have to like no one's going to have a million and one good deals in their life no one's going to have a million and one good opportunities what i've noticed the more, the more you grow the more you expand the more opportunities you're taking on obviously with the more wins you take there's obviously going to be an increased minute smaller amount of losses whereas i could say from 2014 2016 i might have had one or two bad losses now, because I'm knocking on so many doors of opportunity, 
meeting so many more people, obviously that increases your income, but it also increases the amount of um, negative bad people you're going to meet in your life where deals are not going to go as smoothly as you first thought or portrayed. It's like anything in life. The more opportunities that you uh, open up, the more percentage there is for failure. But what you've got to do is just make sure you keep playing the percentage game that no matter what, if you keep opening up more doors, you know there's going to be more winning uh, percentages than there is going to be losing percentages. But just because the way I look at life, you're always going to remember all your bad knocks in life. You're always, you're never going to forget them. You're going to remember every person who ever fucked you over, but you're never going to remember your big victories, your big wins in life, because you're always going on to bigger and bigger and better goals and you're looking to achieve them. But as I'm saying, as I grew older and the more money my business made, I realized there's more people that try and shit on you or take a stab at the pie just because, as I said, it's just like anything in life. The, the, the more opportunities you uh, achieve, uh, the more negative um, opportunities that are going to come your way and all. Not negative opportunities, but just more people that are going to get 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 the hump or get jealous of your success because they're too afraid of basically admitting that they're just lazy bastards and they've sat on the couch their whole life. And what I learned growing up was that with people, um, they say that Jesus never became a prophet in his own land. Your true fans and true followers are going to be people who never knew you from a young age because people who know you from a young age or your own town who grew up with you that it, it, it sours them a lot more than it does than it does your new true fans or followers who found you through social media throughout the years because they can't help but bite their lip and think, why is he any different to me? I came up with him. I went to the same school as him. How has he gone on to such great successful things and achieved great things in life? That is true that the people who you actually grew up with, who you'd need to classify as your real friends, are the people that are going to find it so hard to actually bite the bullet and congratulate you and say, wow, you've done amazing because they feel so shit about themselves because they're the same opportunity as you. They're no different to you. They see it a lot more. They they both went to the same school as you. Like you're nothing special. You played on the same sports team as them, but yet you've achieved greater things than them. So obviously it's going to hit them a lot harder than it is people who've never known you your whole life and just seen you grow through social media throughout the years. So that is what I've learned. And also the most best advice I can ever give to someone, which I told you before, Oscar, which I learned in 2018 was assumptions. The most <laughs> clinical way to be a failure in life is assumptions. Never expect nothing from no one. That is a fact. Never expect nothing from no one. That is a true uh, assumption. If you do that without a written contract or a, a, a piece of paper, that has confirmation that a deal is a deal. Assume nothing and don't expect nothing from no one and you will be successful. The more you assume from someone, you're just going to be shot in the foot. You're going to just be disheartened. You're going to be let down. So that was the biggest thing I learned in life. Never assume nothing from nobody, no matter if they're your best friend <coughs> or your worst enemy. Unless it's written down on contract, assume nothing. 100%, 100%, man. I love when you said um about the whole, you know, the growth of your income and then you have more negative people. It makes sense as well because, like, you know, just say you look at the likes of your favorite YouTubers that you watch, like, it, when they were no one, like, they, they probably weren't getting as much hate. But then as they scale, even though, like, yeah. you love them and you're like, how can these, how can anyone hate on this person? You know, the, the more you grow, the more attention you get, the more kind of bad stuff you will you'll get as well and you'll always 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 have people that are trying to bring you down that hate on you you know that Correct. say oh Correct. you made this because of steroids or oh your family's rich or you know yeah. all these 
all yeah. the people that yeah. basically make up the excuses for them to feel good because they're not willing to put yeah. in the graft or they're not willing to, you know, exceed yeah. in life. So I suppose the the main question is, um, to end this podcast, is it seven or eight figures you're going for this year? We have to wait and see. But as I said, this pandemic, this pandemic hasn't been too bad. The first couple of weeks were a bit crazy, but now everyone seems to settle down. And online businesses, touch wood, where I'm situated, and online coaching is is the hottest thing right now. And it doesn't look like gyms are going to be open until August, September. But as I said, from a from a, um, a marketing perspective, online perspective, it, like right now, right now is the time of uh, the online world. It's time to have a business online. So touch wood. Thank God, I'm invested in this uh, market, which currently is online coaching. Because uh, everyone needs to stay fit and healthy right now because mental health is going to take a battering. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. We did have big plans this year, as Oscar knows. We were meant to be traveling around the world, doing a world tour, releasing a new TV show in like Bahamas, uh, New York, California, Texas, Portugal, um, loads of places. But as I said, we can't predict the future and no one saw this pandemic coming. And obviously they've all gone hiatus and a lot of close family and friends have said to me, Mike, what does that mean? What does that mean for TV show? What does that mean for your other business that you're launching? What does it mean for this? What does it mean for that? And the goods on this truth, I don't know. I don't know what it means. Like no news is good news. And we just have to wait and see until the country gets back up and running um, and see what happens with all the other business ideas that I had and what were meant to be taken off this year, which I haven't really... Um, announced the public just yet but it, it was meant to happen this year boys and girls but everything just got flipped on its head and only my cl- close family and friends actually know about these other business ideas and all this stuff but um, right now everything's on hiatus Nothing, no one knows anything and I don't know the answer myself so that's why I'm not letting anyone know because I don't want to uh, give any fake promises or fake hope because I don't know what's happening but the second I know what's going on or I know business is going to be back up and running and these new ideas I've got about expanding, I will let you all know and most definitely ask you know 100%, as well. 100%, 100%, can't wait, man. Um, well, you know, you know, Mike, my private jet is always waiting so you can, we can go anytime. <laughs> happy days, um, bro, happy days. Happy right, days. so um, for anyone listening, as we always say, guys, make sure to take action on anything we've taught you today in this podcast because that's the whole uh, point of all these podcasts I do. I get on people like Mike or anyone that I've interviewed before people that have hit rock bottom that have been through you know the highs and lows in life and I want you to get as much value as you can from these podcasts as well um not just to you know not just to I suppose just see the numbers or anything going up but I want you to really be be valuing the the information you're getting as well and take action action is the main thing as well so just to wrap this up guys um thanks very much for tuning in and thanks to mike for jumping on the podcast as well today thank you oscar that was a privilege for you to have me um as i said i can't wait to hear this what uh platform is this gonna be on spotify or spotify and just uh a few other stuff as well so i will see you in the next episode guys